They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. In Tallahassee, Florida, scientists have discovered that the Terracotta Warrior's purple paint is much more than just a beautiful color. They made their discovery here, the National High Magnetic Field Laboratory, home of the 45T Hybrid, the world's most powerful magnet. It packs 45 Teslas of magnetic force. Facility director Eric Palm has a simple way of showing what 45 Teslas can do. If I take this steel washer closer to the magnet, you can see that it will be pulled and attracted to the magnet. I believe that the stored energy is about 20 sticks of dynamite. It's dangerous enough that we don't typically allow people to be, that have not been trained to be around the magnet. We don't allow people to bring tours where they can see the magnet just in case something bad happens. Scientists from around the world use the magnet in their research. Load just about any material on Earth into this magnet's core and then pump in liquid helium to cool it down to hundreds of degrees below zero. The 45T hybrid's power will force the material to reveal its hidden physical properties. In 2006, Suchitra Sebastian and Neil Harrison put a few flakes of Chinese purple into the magnet's core and saw something astonishing. Inside the magnet, the molecules of Chinese purple became a single magnetic wave, a unique state in the world of quantum physics. The team dropped the temperature even further, and the magnetic wave lost its third dimension, separating into individual two-dimensional planes, a discovery that might change the world. Because studying shifts from three dimensions down to two could help make better superconductors, and better superconductors could mean more efficient magnetic trains, lower electricity bills, and faster computers. It's incredible to think that this material that's been around for um, you know, more than 2,000 years that was initially discovered and in fact created by Chinese chemists um, and has been on this terracotta army for 2,000 years. It's incredible to think that we've revisited this material, something that's a fundamental advance in our understanding in our 21st century knowledge of physics, and that's just mind-blowing. And there may still be other mysteries concealed within this ancient army. More than 2,000 years ago, the Terracotta Warriors were an emperor's vision, a brilliant technological achievement. Today, scientists are revealing just how brilliant that achievement was, and searching for other mysteries hidden within these ancient masterpieces. Welcome back to another episode of the Juan Juan Podcast. I'm your host as always, Juan. 
Make sure to follow me on social media at the 101 Podcast on all social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, Rockfin, all that good stuff. We got a Patreon. Make sure to check that out. Also got a Telegram group. Make sure to join that. Talk shit to me. Do whatever. Have a good time hearing from you guys. And today we got Gabe, Slick Dissident, in the house for the first official Juan on Juan podcast episode. You've been on a couple of my episodes, but not officially on the Juan on Juan for a Juan on Juan treatment, bro. So we're in for a treat today. Gabe, can you let the listeners know where they can find your work? Absolutely. Uh, Slick Dissident is my YouTube channel name. Uh, And I also frequent a couple other uh, little circuits. I'm in the uh, Weaving Spiders Welcome uh, channel on uh, YouTube over there live on Saturday nights, weaving all night long into from Saturday evening into Sunday morning. Hmm. And then uh, I'm also on uh, the Interverse podcast with Chance Garten uh, on Rockfin YouTube and um, uh, no regular set schedule with that other than Wednesdays. We do a vibrant pretty regularly. So that's a good spot to see some of, some of my stuff. Right on. Yeah, I'll post those links in the description as well so you can check Gabe out. Because Gabe is one of those type of guys that, you know, there, there's people in this community that a lot of people say that I'm up there with the black belts. But when I meet someone like Gabe, it just shows me how much more I need to learn. Okay, so today <laughs> we're going to be talking some stuff. We're going to be talking twilight language. I like to talk about it as lizard language, right? It's about symbols, symbology, words with double meanings. We know that's the whole thing. And yeah, so Gabe is pretty balls deep in all this stuff, and he really breaks things down. He's blown my mind quite a few times, so I'm excited to get into it, and we'll see where this goes. So yeah, Gabe, can you tell a little bit about what you do as far as the territories and your work with that and how you, cause you've, you've constructed a system, right? Which is uh, something that a lot of people don't do who maybe perhaps don't have the, the willpower or the knowledge to construct a system that you can actually base your findings off of. You know what I mean? Like I think that's very important because I can sit up here and talk about lizards all day long, but if I don't have a system or something as concrete evidence to support it, it means nothing essentially. I mean, I'm just talking out my ass, which I do a lot, but it's got me this far, right? (laughs) (laughs) It could get you pretty far. You know, I would, I would probably constitute as like a, a, like a wannabe, or I think they call it a, a porch Mason is the derogatory term for a, a, a fellow who thinks he's got a clue but never went into the lodge, you know. Uh, a porch mason. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the one of the terms. It's like a wannabe, but uh, and this is zero, by the way. Zero. A shout very, out to zero. A very esoteric name for those who know. Uh, so, uh, my learning experience started one day when I was. Uh, inspired by the basic tools of, of the uh, Masonic order, the, the compass and the square. And so I just started doodling, uh, very like inspired, like there was something inside of me needed to come out. And so I started to, you know, just trace your standard circle shape and then dissect it into the Zodiac, the 12 stations of the Zodiac. 
which a lot of people uh, would probably consider this tropical uh, astrology. And so, and I have it here. This is, uh, this is the image that I manifested that day. And I, you know, put the 12 stations together. And then slowly over time, I would just add more meaning and more layers and more substance to those, uh, to that zodiac. As, as I was gaining knowledge and affluence in that system in general. And still to this day, that uh, that's kind of my master key. That's why it's on the front of my notebook for easy access when I need to, you know, draw from, uh, you know, what station has what significance in relationship to the stations uh, around it. And uh, so eventually I went from the Zodiac to uh, learning about the tarot cards. And it was the 22 cards of the major arcana in particular that were speaking to me uh, because they, uh, many of them have, I believe it's 12 of them have a solid relationship to uh, stations of the Zodiac. And the remaining 10, you could say are the full card plus the nine planets. Mm. So that, uh, so I worked the 12 stations of the tarot cards into this zodiac. And I realized if you're going in a sequence, if you're following the numbers one through 22, they actually fit the other 10 into this key. So it's like a keyhole and a key. And when I put them in, and it all locks in place. The next thing I know, the doors of my mind opened up and I'm seeing things on a whole new level. And so, uh, and that might be the leap that some people have not taken with the tarot and the zodiac because there are missing pieces. There's the, the 12 of them are handed to you, but the remaining ones, you kind of have to suss them out and intuit them into their place and it's kind of, it's not that complicated. Uh, you just follow the sequence. And so uh, that was what garnered this understanding and this cipher for me. And once I did that, it started to manifest in very uh, unexpected locations. Uh, for example, the uh, 22 episodes of the Marvel Avengers. And that was my first project. That's what got me up off my ass because I realized I was seeing something that nobody else was going to bring to the to the table. And so that was my earliest works. If you go back uh, in my early uh, YouTube uh, <laughs> videos, which it, it's really choppy. I am not technologically inclined whatsoever, uh, but I am very intuitive, uh, very, fairly well read. Um, I've been into alternative uh, healing modalities uh, for most of my life. I've been a martial artist for a very long time. Um, and so uh, essentially my earliest work was putting the tarot into the Avengers series. And that was my learning experience. So if you go far enough back to my early stuff, which is really scrappy, technologically very scrappy work, um, but you will be, it gives people a chance to learn along with me. And that's kind of what my channel is. It's a shared learning experience. 
And, you know, I've made, uh, I've made mistakes along the way and I try to come back and make those uh, amendments and, uh, you know, and tell people if I said something wrong or led them astray or missed a detail here and there. Um, so that's been, that's been my channel for uh, almost a year now. And it has really grown and given me uh, what I consider a very mystical worldview. Uh, and now uh, I've, I've taken that template of the 22 uh, cards of the Major Arcana and their relationship, uh, not only to the Avengers, uh, it also has a relationship to the stars. And so it is the sky clock. It is a much deeper uh, level of, of grasping the relationships of the dynamics of the heavens. And I use it, it it's, I think of it as my decoder glasses, you know, and everything that I see in art and in uh, expressions of the muse, uh, I see all of those things through that system. And it has really enriched my life in a, in a really neat way. And I'd love to share that with other people. Uh, so the most recent development is the territories that you spoke of. And so what I've done with that is I have taken essentially, you know, that, that axiom of as above, so below, as within, so without. It has a biblical correspondence with the phrase um, on earth as it is in heaven mm -hmm. is yet another way of saying the same idea. And, the, and here we are, we're dabbling in nested meanings. You know, there are so many ways to apply those phrases. Yeah, and here's the thing with all that because, and you said the 22 episodes of the Avengers. You said is that a comic series? Is that an animated series, or what is that? That's Marvel. That's the whole Marvel Avengers. So it's, start. Yep, starting with uh, Captain um, Captain America. He is the full card. He is the oh. very. He is the beginning of the tarot deck and it cycles through it jumps around because mm. the story comes out in non-chronological order so you have to you can't just flow through the the movie the way they hand it to you you have to use intuition uh, and symbolic literacy to cipher out how all of the 22 standard starting with captain america going to end game there are 22 uh, episodes and each episode has a lovely fit into the uh, major arcana. And have you listened to that Grant Morrison presentation? You know, about chaos magic. No, uh, Rat R A T. No, Grant Grant Morrison. Uh, uh, I don't he, think so. He's he did. I'll send it to you. He did this chaos magic lecture. I guess you could call it a presentation in front of a bunch of people, and he was talking about how. He put a bunch of hyper sigils in his work in his comics and everything that he wrote in his comics would come true, would come Whoa. to life. So yeah, I'm wow. sending you the, the, yeah, check it out. It's 45 minutes long. If you can get past the, his, his very strong accent, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there. He was pretty much talking about everything that he did, like, similar to Jack Parsons and the Babylon working ritual. He put all these hyper sigils in his series, The Invisibles, and everything that would happen to the main character that was portrayed after him would happen in real life. 
So if the new ca- if the character you know would get a girlfriend, he would have a bunch of women show up that looked exactly like the character from the show from the from the comic book series. And we're talking about a, you know DC like huge. He does a bunch of different shows. He's a producer. So these are people up high you know in the 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 lizards right. That's who I like to call the lizards, even if they are actual <laughs> lizards or not. And as of lately, I've been getting called out a lot on that. <laughs> uh, the people I just been like, hey what do you, so what do you know about the lizards I'm like dude I've literally never read a book on lizards except maybe watch a few David Icke documentaries and presentations but I started uh-huh. reading the perception deception I think deception perception whichever one of those books and I started reading that but anyways check that that presentation out yeah. because it's really fascinating but they do this by design I think Gabe and I mean you, you put it out pretty well we broke down the Transformers movie. I mean, that was pretty fascinating. And you also said something the other day when we were covering the, the Tomb Raider. I mean, and the symbology behind that. And you nailed it on the head when you were like, hey, they're not talking to you. They don't give a fuck about you. They're talking about they're talking to the other guy who's in the same club as this guy. Mm-hmm. The world's a stage. Right? Yes. So that's what's happening right here and like you you're talking about before the the show the doubting thomas right doubting thomas the where he's like hey i don't believe that he actually came back in the bible and what is what does jesus do he shows him the holes in his hand and that's just a metaphor for if you question enough the system if you question enough the overlords that are at work every now and again gabe they'll let you feel the holes in the hand (laughs) <laughs> to be a believer you know what i'm saying you know what i'm saying they every now and again they'll let you here you go just touch just feel and mm-hmm. i think that's where those glitches in the matrix come into play where every now and again they'll drip feed you something and dude it's all subjective right i mean you're talking yeah. about as above so below we know that all religions are just copying one another so they're gonna have their own truths not saying that one religion's wrong and the other one's good and whatever i mean that's also again subjective but i think they all hold a piece of that puzzle but the puzzle's misconstrued the puzzle's missing pieces and it's just a cosmic phone of uh, a game of telephone you know what i mean it's just everybody's going back and forth trying to figure out and decipher this this matrix and it's too many cooks in the kitchen bro too many people (laughs) too many alchemists in the cave you know what i mean yeah that's a very good point that's a very good point I absolutely love that term hypersigil. And this is the second time it has come up in like exactly where I needed to hear it in just the right context. Uh, So thank you for that lead. I am totally going to track that down because I'm now realizing that you've brought it forward, that that's an even better way to articulate the, what I've been calling nested meanings. And uh, in fact, it's a functional application of the concept of nested meanings. And so I really appreciate that. Uh, about a week ago, I heard somebody describe the Bible as one of the largest hyper sigils that humanity has ever tried to process. And because of that, you can look at it through the lens of different, different angles of the prism of this reality and see different things depending on, you know, who's looking at it, what time of day, uh, what language they speak. It's going to have, uh, 
uh, meanings within meanings mm-hmm. in a, such a beautiful way. That's great. I'm glad you mentioned that. I've always said and, this. The the symbols are the language of the soul, right? And it's it, it's yeah. like that by design. It's like that. Mm-hmm. They can't just come out. And all the stuff that we do see, Gabe, here's the thing. If, if, if it's... If you know their name, they're not important. If they're on the Forbes 100 list, they're not important. It's the people off the Forbes. It's the esoteric, not the exoteric. Anybody can read that. The Bible's exoteric, but hidden within that. It, it reminds me of, have you, you've heard of one of the first alchemists, Raymond Lilly. Have you heard of him? No. What? No. Raymond Lilly came up with a, a, a system similar to yours where he made the, the first computer in the year 1300 or so and it was in order to be able to decipher the invisible and visible world so he came up with a a full system and i'm going to pull it up here where so you can see it's very similar it looks very similar to what you are presenting and for those listening at home you can check this out on youtube as i share my screen but i'm trying to find a picture of it but it's pretty much similar to anakian magic what John D and all these guys were doing, right? They had golem computers and all this craziness. This guy, one of the very first alchemists who was dabbling in the dark arts, right? And supposedly he had a vision telling him he needed to, to spread the gospel to the Muslims, et cetera, et cetera. He came up with something like this. I'm going to show my screen real quick. Let me share. He came up with something like this. Okay, and every single word meant something. So it's broken all down, but essentially he came up with this and he was able to. I guess he 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 made something called the arts. And again, it's very convoluted, but here you have his letter code, his God attributes, English. And it was again, he made it into a. he had like a little mechanism that he would spin around and i guess ask it questions and stuff like that but we're talking about this is one of the very first alchemists called the thinking machine the ars magna is also referred to as the machina de pensar which is the you know the the machine of thinking and it was the world's first analog computer which allowed him to simulate synthesize and produce human knowledge using artificial means this is in the in the year 1200 to 1300 bro that this guy's doing this okay he put this system together, one of the very first alchemists out there. And again, is it real? Is it not? But it's very, it looks very similar to what you, what you were showing me with your territories key yes. there. And yes. it's, you know, it's similar to Anakian magic and what all these other guys were doing. So there's something about that, right? About these yeah. systems. And that's why I tell people it's very important to know where, you know, the history of where, your modern day computer comes from because this guy was dabbling in the occult, right? And he, and then he turned super Christian and he was trying to spread God through technology. That's what Charles Babbage did, right? Charles uh-huh. Babbage was trying to summon the devil and prove the existence of the devil through technology. You yes. know, so technology has have has always had this hold on religion. It's oh, it always comes back to some sort of. And what do we have today? We have AI. We have yeah. AI, we have quantum computing, we have all yes. that stuff. So I got a lot to lay down on that. So that was great, Juan. This is amazing. So first of all, I want to point out that that translation was from Catalan, 
Catalan Spain is uh, Barcelona, Catalonia was a independent location, but of some incredibly important aspects of worldly culture comes from Catalan. The UCC codes, uniform commercial codes are born out of Catalan, Spain. And you're telling me that he invented this computing system that is encoding things. And I, uh, without belaboring the rabbit hole too hard, <laughs> I believe that there is a historical Christ figure who was not crucified in the Jerusalem of modern day. I believe that the events of the New Testament took place in Barcelona, Spain. Really? Yes. And that is in and of itself. If anybody wants to check out Tom Carberry, he is a really good resource for um, essentially um, just um, he's into alternative history, uh, which is what people call it. But he would say it's true history. And uh, he is quite the, the master at it. Um, so Tom Carberry has kind of brought this to my attention. And uh, through that lens, I have seen it uh, hinted at and indicated many times over in my research as well, reflections of that possibility. But I got to show you the other side of my cipher is kind of the same thing, but it has musical notes worked into this, into the parameters. And I just found that very interesting that he had that um, those letters like K, B, A, D. Uh, that, uh, and he has nine sections, nine segments, as opposed to my 12. I'm going to, um, I have something but, here because I want to get a yeah. little bit into this because this is really fascinating. And this is just, this is uh, some information I'm compiling for my alchemy episode that I'm writing out. And uh -huh. this is one of the founders of, you know, alchemy, one of the very first ones. Because here, very few people in history can equal to Raymond Lilly's intelligence, learning wisdom, learning wisdom and ingenuity due to his prejudice, prejudice, I think that's how you say uh -huh. it, learning, he's referred to as Dr. Illuminatus, which is oh, Latin what? for illuminated doctor. But despite all of the many gifts and charisma he possessed, all he wanted was to love God, study and convert non-believers to Christ. So... He was, he enjoyed the carefree life of a courtier to King James of Aragon until 1265 when Lily received a vision of Christ crucified. He repented of his former life and gave up black magic and occultic studies. And mm -hmm. he would become, uh, become a secular Franci Franciscan. I don't know. I've mm -hmm. never heard of that before. He thus dedicated himself to spreading the gospel and evangelizing Muslims. And he was a good friend of St. Romain of Penafort and Dunscola. And I'm trying to find here. So the later nickname, they later nicknamed him Dr. Illuminatus due to his wow. knowledge and wisdom. He wrote over 300 books and treaties in Latin, Arabic, and Catalan. And didn't you say something about Catana or something? Catalan, Spain. Catalan, yes. Yeah, Catalan on the sciences, politics, sociology, theology, logic, and philosophy. Among these books was the first major works of Catalan literature, which was Europe's first novel. 
the romantic novel of Blanqueria. He also wrote poetry. He also wrote Ars Notandi, Ars Elecciones, Alia Ars Elecciones. That's my Latin there for you people. It's almost like Spanish. In which he anticipated by several centuries prominent work on ele elections, the elections theory. A number of treaties on chemistry, botany, astronomy. Lily was known as an alchemist, but this is because at a time alchemy was the persecure the precursor of the modern analytical science of chemistry. So we know that alchemy was like the sacred knowledge, right? It was all occultic uh -huh. and shrouded in mystery. And he was one of the first ones. So in 1305, he published his Ars Generalis Ultima or Ars Magna, the ultimate general art, which was originally intended as a debating tool to convert Muslim invaders in Spain, Portugal, and Northern Africa to the church through ineluctable logic and all-encompassing reason so he created a machine based on the astrolabe to help apologists and field missionaries regardless of what point a muslim could bring up lowell's debating machine found the correct counterpoint lowell invented many such machines for this purpose so it reminds me of that little machine that scientology uses to yeah. make people believe nice weave so Bro, he's here. He, Lully's computational ideas were developed further in the 15th century by St. Nicholas of Cusa, Giordano Bruno in the 16th oh, century, Kircher and Gottfried Leibniz, which is the guy who invented binary code, which was inspired by Rene Descartes, bro. He laid the foundation of analytical study of logic and information science. And Bruno oh. used the rotating figures of Lully's system as instruments as it of a system of artificial memory and attempted to apply Lillian monomic monotechnics. Monotechnics. Jeez, wow, that was a mouthful, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> to different modes of rhetorical disclosure. Lull is thus the founder of computational theory. So wow. we have it I here. A, I mean, go ahead, bro. I gotta, I gotta point out, you mentioned it. it it finds the counter argument that is it's like a Ouija board that is oppositional. That is the uh, definition of Satan. The devil mm -hmm. is the, uh, the op opposer Satan, the opposite. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And th that's very interesting because right now computers, the computer age, the transhumanistic agenda has a very oppositional uh, directive behind it. That is quite profound. Yeah, we um, have here one of Lowell's, Lully's most important contributions to Christianity and humanity in general was his Ars Magna, a general system in the interpretation of visible and invisible reality. Visible and invisible reality. It was a machine used as a semi-mechanical techniques, symbolic notation, and combinatorial diagrams. It was the foundation of his apologetics and provided a single... Methodolo methodological basis for all fields of knowledge mm -hmm. in the 13th century from theology philosophy so this guy was doing some some stuff way ahead of his fucking time bro right right and i i have to point out also that that cipher you showed had nine segments to it mine has 12 but the calendar once upon a time and once upon a very early age was segmented into nine months. It's called the Fasti calendar. And it was 40 days per month 
with nine sections and only three seasons as opposed to four. And the Fasty calendar is fascinating to me. Uh, I've done some work on it because this may very well relate to the Enneagram. And I've kind of skimmed over this or in some of my early works, but the Enneagram is a, it's a, a cipher of nine, one through nine on a circle. And the nine stations of the Enneagram have a relationship to one another that many people use it for very beneficial means. Uh, they use it to, uh, to find their uh, tendencies. Uh, it's much like a Zodiac. And they assign themselves to one of the nine stations, and that becomes your uh, your personality matrix of, of sorts. And then what's really interesting is there's a, a linear uh, graphic. I can pull it up. I have one here. And, um, and it shows you in uh, stressful situations, it shows you what, what tendencies you will have in relation to what you are uh, having aversion to, the things you would say no to, mm. and then it, uh, the opposite, it has the things you are very likely to decide. So one direction on the chart sends you to the things that you don't want, and the only other decision is the thing you very likely will uh, will choose. So I have asserted that the Enneagram can be weaponized. And if they have data mined the whole world, then your social credit score only needs one digit in your number, in your designation number. And that one digit could be your Enneagram uh, propensities. And from that one number, they can determine the outcome of your decision-making uh, based on certain situations. They can algorithmically suss out what you will choose in certain situations. Whoa. And this is where it gets real nefarious. Guess what? Enneagram gurus assert that 50% of the world is a number six personality type. And that right there means they have the whole population in a corner. And if they can just steer the number six's decision-making the democracy doesn't mean shit anymore because they've got 50% of the world's mentality locked down and the other 50% is dispersed among the remaining eight stations. So if they can, uh, social, social engineering, if they can corner everybody's decision-making into one sec segment, which apparently they did a long time ago, now they can steer everybody uh, by only controlling the number six personality types. And by the way, I'm not disparaging anybody out there who identifies as a six, uh, <laughs> but I can tell you a little bit, the number sixes are, there are many terms used to describe the different stations, but number sixes are um, loyalists. And that means that they are obedient. They, they identify with the, with the group, with the masses, in their shadow side, that's their, posit that's their strength, is they're loyal, they're super loyal. But their shadow, their weakness, is fear. And this is in that system that you're talking about? Are you able to bring that up? 
This is the Enneagram. Isn't that similar to like what Helamites use, right? Yes, sir. Oh. And you will notice the three, six, and nine mm. generate the triangle. Because, you know, again, I, I don't know if it was you that I told, but mm-hmm. all roads lead back to Pythagoras. I mean, all is number, right? And we use number in every single thing. And, and we use it as a quantitative thing, as a quantitative aspect of something. But yes. it's how I, I mentioned in another podcast that I was doing where in school, they're teaching us about theorems and about equations and about all this stuff, but they don't teach us what it means, what it right. signifies. You know, the Pythagorean theorem, people use it all the time. It's taught in schools, it's in textbooks, but they don't teach us what it signifies, what it truly means. Nikola Tesla said if you're able to figure out three, six, and nine, you're able to unlock the secrets of the universe. What did he mean by that? We still won't know. He also said a bunch of a bunch of crazy other things. But mm-hmm. it it's mind blowing that on our on, on our, our credit card there are numbers, our driver's license there's numbers, on our houses there's numbers, like all these hyper sigils, right? That yep. They're yep. there. Your social security is more, most importantly, your date of birth. Everything is related back to numbers. And it's like, oh, it's just used to keep track of things. Is it though? Is it really? Because the guys that invented the stuff, they were, look at this guy, Raymond Lilly. He was using it to, to, to be able to, to debate somebody. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yes. You know, I'm really glad you brought that forward because there is so much about Spain that goes unappreciated. Um, first of all, the Jesuit order was founded in Spain. People think when they hear Jesuit, they think Italy. And that's classic Jesuit maneuvering. They love to give you that decoy to send your, your attention over here while the hands pulling the strings are elsewhere, right? Um, another thing that has come to my attention uh, regarding Spain is... Um, they, uh, um, Isabel, Queen Isabel is the one who sent, uh, Christopher Columbus allegedly is the one who, you know, uh, sponsored him to come over and become Christopher Columbus. And something very telling is, uh, hiding in plain sight in that name. And that is the word Cybele. And Cybele is a goddess of castration. And uh, for uh, those of us who take pride in acting civil and acting tame, who are loyalists, those of us who are a number six are a classic uh, mark for the Kybelian influence. Um, this is a fun weave. This is really good. So, uh, so this, these are just some uh, some tidbits that i've picked up along the way what was the name of that thing that you brought up so i'm sorry is that the enneagram it's a e-n-n-e-a-g-r-a-m and when they say all roads lead to rome so many people think about italy and i think italy has taken the fall because rome in its heyday was both italy spain uh, running up through, for, it was much larger of a territory. Um, so uh, when they say all roads lead back to Rome, it doesn't necessarily, it's not limited to Rome, Italy. Uh, I think it actually, uh, 
that that turn of phrase comes from a time when Spain was incorporated in Roman uh, politi uh, political dynamics. Um, so these are all very uh, significant, very important, I think, uh, to kind of understanding uh, modern day events, because what is happening right now between uh, Western uh, political agendas and Russia is a rehashing of a very old internal struggle of the Catholic, uh, Catholic bloodlines, you could say, because Western Orthodoxy and Eastern uh, Catholic Church, uh, they had a, a, a falling out around the year 1100, maybe 1050. And what is really interesting about the falling out between Western Orthodox and Eastern Catholicism, they excommunicated each other on the exact same day at the exact same hour with the exact same ritual. It is the original mutually insured destruction. They, both of those, uh, those interest groups separated mutually and they uh, in, have been in animosity and contention ever since. Um, so people forget about that because it was so long ago. But right now, what is happening in Ukraine is very likely a falling out of that agreement to disagree that they made a thousand years ago. You one time, I think you made a video on it because you're talking about how separation of territories, right? Separation mm -hmm. with the where the and I don't know if you did make a video on it or ever, I don't think you did actually put it out. I'm not sure. You can correct me if I'm wrong. You made a video on how the borders signify certain things, right? Signify, mm -hmm. uh, it could be a cultic, whatever it is you want to call it. But you, I, I like the way you broke it down to where like every single conjunction between states is precisely put. I was watching Breaking Bad uh, the, with my wife the other day, just rewatching mm -hmm. it because she had never seen the show. And one of the main characters goes to the four corners, right? And she flips a coin see where it lands within the four corners and i'm going to pull this up because as soon as i saw this because you're talking about the the division right between territories and how they use these sort of things i, I and ever since you put that out i 100 believe that the borders that we're seeing are put there for occultic means now if you look at the four corners bro i mean yeah. if this doesn't look occultic to you at all i mean i don't know what will but just the way this is laid out you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's the only area that's like this, right? There's certain, we know about ley lines. We know about the 33rd parallel. We know about the, the 41st and all these other different parallels. Yeah, man. Yeah. That is a uh, Templar cross to be sure. It is like you were saying, I, I have, I've, I've riffed on this uh, before. That is the only uh, boundary in the United States that is a perfect T-square, that is a perfect cross. All the other boundaries on all the other states are either a T-shape generally or a Y-shape generally. And those are dynamically, those are characteristics of a cube. So the uh, all the other states are a T or a Y. So when you take a, a three-dimensional cube and you look at it, you can only see either two sides or three sides, 
And so you'll get a yod or a T shape mm -hmm. and the four corners is, it's the only one it's unique. It's uh, it is uh, one of a kind. It's so significant that four corners, I'm glad you're bringing this up. So yeah, I think that is a Maltese cross and Walter Bosley would kind of point out that there is some very interesting Templar history in that location may have to do with the tribe of Dan, the Tuatha Danan, and the uh, Sword of Joan of Arc and the missing Ark of the Covenant. Wow. In the States. <laughs> in the States. Yeah. 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 I've yeah. heard about that, about the 40, 40 years that it took them. It's like, well, because they were traveling through the Americas. You know, they were walking through the deserts and the Americas and all this stuff. I've heard that before. And how close is the 33rd parallel to this area here? Because it's very close to the 33rd parallel, I think, right? Or is it is the 33rd a little bit lower than that? Yeah, I think it is pretty close. Uh, now that you're mentioning it, um, I've always wanted just like a quick graphic of, of, or a map with all of the parallels so I could uh, quick reference that. But yeah, you're you're right. That's very close to, I mean, oh, can shoot. I see it again? Yeah, I'm going to, here, I got the 33rd parallel pulled up and it's very close. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's very close. Look at the 33rd parallel right along that bottom. Okay. Right here. Oh, so the... Oh, I should have guessed this. I should have guessed this. That means the four corners is the 37th, is which is the, that is the dividing line. How did I miss this in my own work? That is the dividing line or very close to the yep, dividing there you line. Go. 37th. Bingo. Oh my gosh. Aliens on the 37th parallel cow mutilations. Yeah, man. 37th degree parallel is so profound and so significant. So in my territory's work, that is where I, uh, I've taken the stations of the heavens and I've, there's my map. That's the one I use. And I've put the tarot, the, uh, the Zodiac down onto the map of the United States using the 37 degree parallel as my uh, equinox line, as the center horizontal line of the Zodiac. And then I start looking at the uh, state icons, the state logo, the, the crests, the flags of every state, and even the, uh, the mascots of the sports teams. And guess what happens? Every location Lines falls up. into either its zodiacal sim symbol or its tarot card symbol. And so that project I call the Tarot Tories. You know what else is very close to the 37th parallel, bro? The Golden Gate Bridge? Where Parsons did the Babylon working ritual. He did Babylon in the, supposedly the Mojave Desert. And, I mean, that's kind of close. I don't know exactly how close it mm -hmm. is, but it's very close through there. And, I mean, after that, you have Roswell. You have all these crazy UFO sightings. And, uh, dude, I mean, I, I, went, I went down a rabbit hole the other day with the what was it the 33rd parallel and that is wild you know like all these buildings that cross the 33rd parallel with 33 floors uh, that look like temples they look like like stargates uh, all yeah. the all the mo most of the states that run through that 33rd parallel they have the death row they have death penalty right. so it's like this occultic and Whoa. dude you know the whole thing about the occult, right? I mean, in the esoteric and all this stuff, a lot of people choose to ignore it, but 
maybe it's how much of it how much of your work gabe do you think is like confirmation bias that you think that you're just making these things up and projecting them to make them come true do you think you have some aspect of that because i feel like once you start looking into it enough times you start to believe it at a certain point mm -hmm. and this is neurolinguistic programming i mean they give it to you right. over and over and over and over again subconsciously and you're able to right. take those ideas and adopt them as your own you know well that's a great question uh that's a good question i would say a lot of it is confirmation bias but it's confirming uh the a fact that i believe in and that is that everything is everything and uh all things are connected because we are all here we are all one we're all part of this experience the shared experience and so um a lot of what I use, what my bias is, I try to use standards as my bias. And as long as it's a standard, then I can say it's, a, it's objective. It's an objective truth. And so what I'll take is facts, like well-established uh, facts, and correspond them with other completely established facts. And by doing so, I stay outside of the, too far outside of the realm of speculation. I consider my specialty, my specialty uh, is the second hermetic principle. The second hermetic principle, and that is correspondence. And that really is where I try to keep my focus in things that correspond with one another. And so, uh, and that's what we're doing right now. We're looking at these standards, the strings of the uh, latitude and longitude lines and seeing what they objectively correspond with. And then we, uh, I guess we can speculate on what its meaning or its intention might have been in the past. Uh, but that's the, the, and that's where some creative interpretive imagination comes into play. But the more, the more frame of reference you have, the more body and substance you can uh, fill in those blanks. I think of people with your and my worldview as people with a very large, healthy fruit tree with thick branches going in all directions. And people who are skeptical of your and my worldview not to judge them too harshly, but they've got kind of skinny branches <laughs> that, that animals wouldn't even dare to go and try to get the fruit off those branches because they would fall and bend and break. Got a flaccid um, tree going on there. Right. And all of this is metaphor for like a, a healthy imagination and healthy frame of reference, healthy curiosity, people who will actually go and read uh, the, the these bodies of work and bring them into our uh into our worldview uh to substantiate these these visions that we have and it's great you know and that's kind of what you and i have connected on we've found that our we share the same branches i've you know my branch has been reaching out in the same direction as your branch and then we're realizing like you know we uh you know hp lovecraft was a, a common ground that we found and so we decided let's come at this with two brains uh, and so, and uh, you know, build out what is missing from history that a lot of people are, uh, don't appreciate. And uh, I'm still, I can't wait for you to drop 
what you are sitting on with HP. I'm not going to give it away right now unless you want to. No, I mean, I, the, the thing I sent you, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, man. Cause like there, that's a good, that's a good example of confirmation bias. Like we've been paying attention to HP Lovecraft. We've got his image in our mind and then we go through the world and we see certain things and we're like, wow, am I confirming my bias or do I have an, an inf a well-informed worldview that other people just haven't taken the time to develop? And uh, I can't wait for you to drop that on the world, man. Yeah, we should we, we, we should work on something for that. I mean, you know, I mm -hmm. I came across that picture and I just found it really interesting because I mean, you've even you've even talked about it—the possibility of him being a hemophiliac, and then the homunculi being fed blood and all these things—and we know that these people. They only marry royals. They only marry within themselves. So there's a possibility. There was like this little girl that traced back the lineage of the presidents back to, I forgot what that one king's name was. Vlad the Impaler. Was it Vlad the Impaler? Was it, it the guy who wrote the Magnus Car, Magna Carta? I think it was. Who was that? Hmm. I should know that. Let me see. Magna Carta. You got it. Yeah, I got it here. Yeah. It was a by King John of England. I think that was a, a runny, runny meaty near Windsor on June 15th, uh, the year 1200. I think it was this guy. Anyways, there was this little girl that was doing some some school project and she related all the, the presidents back to one guy. You know, their lineage is connected by one guy. And, you know, we have in Abrahamic religions that Man comes from one man, one woman. So, what's to say that these people, these lizards, right? The, the the elites are using these same systems. I mean, that's that's. It goes back to that. It's always if you're if you're doing research in history, I don't care how scholarly you get, you always come across the occult. You always will stumble yeah. across anyone who says otherwise. They're full of shit. They're always mm -hmm. doing research into. Whatever stupid theory, I didn't see right. anything occultic. Well, it's because you weren't looking hard enough. You know what I mean? Like if you look hard right. enough, it's going to be there. And that's the problem with this. And you're talking about worldviews and seeing ideas and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I like to look into interesting aspects of things and really deconstruct it and see what else I can dig up from. Because, dude, it's like watching The Matrix. If you Google every single one of their names, you're going to come up with something. You're going to go down a rabbit hole because it's all symbolic. Whenever you come up with a crazy theory about Parsons. You know what I mean? Like whatever. Oh, he was friends with so-and-so. It's like, well, look into so-and-so and see what he was into. But then yeah. you stumble across the guy that he knew that somebody, you know, whatever they're, they're all interconnected in some way or another. And that's where I bring forth these crazy ideas and I'm able to connect all these crazy rabbit holes. Cause it's not, it's, I don't think it is a coincidence that they have people literally by the name, John Parsons working at CERN. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. There's a yeah. guys, John Parsons, that one episode of what was that one show? The the Big Bang Theory. The dude's name yeah. was was Johnny something or other, and the other guy's name was something Parsons. Like Johnny Parsons, come on, dude! Like you, they're not gonna put it out to you in black and white. They're gonna make you work for it because that's why it's esoteric. It's not exoteric yes. for a reason, bro. I I don't know yep. if it was you. I think it was something that I was listening to where things that read away from the heart are exoteric. Mm when you're reading mm. something and things mm. that read in towards the heart are esoteric. 
Oh, I do. All that. our boat, all, all our books, our cubes backward. All our books and our cubes, they read away from the heart. Exoteric, yes. the Bible, away from the heart. You know, everything right. that we're presented is exoteric. Not anyone can tap into that. I want to learn right. about the deep, the deep dive, not dark shit. Because I mean, we learn about that too. But the deep stuff, the stuff that's hidden away yeah. from us on purpose. In order yep. to, because you know what I mean, they, these people had systems. It was it you that was talking about the Knights Templar and that credit system that they had. I think it was on the the one chest. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk yes. about that a little bit? Because it was like an encrypted key that only they could read. Some crazy weird stuff. Which I mean, the yes. Knights Templar, bro, that goes deep. Yeah. Yeah. Let's totally go there. So real quick, I want to fill in a little bit of what you were riffing on. Um, uh, Michael Wan made this really amazing statement recently. I'm getting a lot of, mile out of mileage out of it. He says that uh, people presume that you can apply the theory of Occam's razor to uh, social constructs and human social interaction. Uh, Occam's razor being uh, when all things are even, the most obvious thing is, is probably the most right. But that all falls to shit with one single fact, and that is the fact that humans are capable of lying. <laughs> and because humans can lie, Occam's razor has no dominion in the jurisdiction of human history and interaction. Uh, Occam's razor uh, applies to the animal kingdom. It has no place with humans because we can lie. And then one more quick fact to riff on that. The reason why other people didn't find out that all the presidents were related was because other people were uh, operating under a false pretext that um, family lineages were uh, preserved in the masculine, in the paternal bloodlines. That little 12-year-old, all she had to do was break that rule and look at the matriarchal bloodlines. She, she realized that humans can lie. What they tell us, one lie can obfuscate all the bloodlines of the presidents until one 12-year-old says, I don't believe you guys on the paternal shit. I'm going to look at the matriarchal bloodlines and all the pieces fall into place. So uh, Occam's razor and people who are so dismissive of these ideas, uh, they're just going for the simple answer. But Occam's razor has no place. It's, it's all to the wind. So I just wanted to put that together. And let's definitely talk about the, the Chets. Before we get to that, the young girl, okay. to, to add some context for those wondering, because I, I don't want to leave that open. The young girl found out every president, including the current one, Barack Obama, could trace his lineage, could trace his lineage back to King John Lackland and therefore the current royalty of England. So yep. was the, the one that was not included in the new lineage was Martin Van Buren. The, eighth the little magic, little magician, and they have his skull at Yale. Really? That's they call that the guy skull. the little magician. That's his nickname. Get it? He's a skull. He's oh. a little magician. He's one of the skulls they drink out of at Yale. No. Martin. Yeah, Martin Van Buren. So John, King of England, this guy, whoever this guy was. One of the worst kings of English, one of the very worst of English kings, uh, both for his character and his failures. So this guy, they, they she traced oh. it back all the way to this guy. 
I don't know who he is, but I mean that's. that's I think that's the one that they made they clown on in Robin Hood. Uh, like they fictionalize, I think this King mm. John. Uh, I think I'm not positive. There's a lot of they repeat the king's name so many times over and scramble it. Uh, yeah, you got uh, the first, I'm, the fourth, the fifth, the seventh, the eighteenth, whatever. I mean, it's all the yeah. same thing. But yeah. yeah, that's something to look into maybe later on. But I just want to clear that up. She traced yes. the, their all their lineages back to that that one guy. But yeah, go ahead yeah. with the with the Knights Templar stuff. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Yeah, right on. So uh, the this is the Chet system, and this is one of the innovations of uh, human society that is uh, so very much in play right now. Um, and this innovation is attributed to the Knights Templar because they were the uh, the shepherds or the stewards of uh, good Christians who were uh, taking their pilgrimage, their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And we are told in the modern day construct that they are pointing at the Jerusalem of modern day of, uh, at Israel and saying this is where people were going to uh, for, to take their pilgrimage. And the Knights Templar was protecting them. I would assert, I believe, that that actual pilgrimage was taking uh, a route to Barcelona, Spain. And so when they talk about the Knights Templar protecting the pilgrimage to Jerusalem, I think this is an old Jerusalem that fell right around that time that uh, Lily was coming into play around the 1300s. That's when they had a, a huge purge. There were... Uh, conversos and Muslims and uh, 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 religious wars uh, kind of scrambled history in a major way in that location. But but my theory is supported very heavily by the, the fact that Spain was so filthy rich. They were filthy rich. And I believe a lot of that is because that was the location that the pilgrimages would uh, uh, lead to because people wanted to go to the holy grounds where the New Testament events took place. Oh, I got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what was the name of that system? How do you spell that? It's the Chet, uh, C-H-E-T, maybe two T's, the Chet system. And so this system was a uh, essential. So what would happen? So that you didn't have to uh, go on the high highways, uh, on the roads, carrying all of your worldly belongings, gold and valuables, uh, to do so would make you an easy mark for bandits on the, on the roads. And so instead of taking those things on the roads and drawing out all the uh, road pirates, instead what you would do is you would uh, give your valuables to the Knights Templar, like a pawn shop, and they would take your valuables, your gold, and give you an encoded block of wood the credit card the original okay. credit card you got it bro the chet tr chetit card it's the chet system and this block of wood has um uh kind of some standardized information on uh one side and it has uh also I, on the back side or some people say it's actually that it's two pieces of wood and they lock in place like a puzzle piece and that the one piece that comes out is malleable and it can have alterations done to it along the along your path. And so you would go from your home location and you would get onto the highway and along the highway, the Knights Templar have 
hostels, hospitals, hospitable locations that you can go and stay and uh, find refuge and food and resources along the way. They're all approved. They all have the uh, eco-friendly Agenda 2020 seal of approval or Agenda 2030 seal of approval on all of the hostels along the road. And when you go in there and you get your, uh, your food supplies, things you need, then they make a little alteration to your chet. But the alteration is encoded and you're not even allowed to see how the code works. Uh, but it tells the next station that you go to how much uh, resources you're worth, what your value is. And this is completely in play today, not only through your credit cards, this is also in play with your driver's license. And so when you slide that driver's license out the window and put your entire value into public purview, that's giving joinder to the public, you're no longer private now. You've put your uh, graven image into the public purview. On the back side of your, the front side of your driver's license is uh, public. It's, you can read it. You know what those words mean. The exoteric information. Bingo. The back side of your driver's license is all in codes. It's got a, a bar scanner. It's got a magnetic strip. It's got a bunch of wavy, funky symbols, holographic shit on there that you cannot read. And that Knights Templar uh, knight in shining armor, he's going to take your driver's license. He's going to go run it through some system, some machine that speaks a language neither one of you even speak. And he's going to see what you're worth. It's your social credit score. It's been in place already. These people are talking about, oh, be afraid of the future. That's progressive progressivism. They're not realizing that we made these mistakes a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, the answer is in the past, uh, to a large degree, re reforming the mistakes we've made in the past. People keep us focused on, oh, don't let them come in, bring the transhumanistic agenda. It's It's been here for a long time. New World Order has been in place for a long time. Um, so, and that, and that is crucial. Understanding private and public is, uh, it is quite crucial. Um, uh, almost everything is public for the most part. It dominates, uh, like you were saying, the esoteric, uh, or the exoteric. Exoteric, yes, public yep. knowledge. It's the public, but it's that private side. That's what secret societies were all about. They were generating a jurisdiction of privacy. And that's what everybody, that's the real treasure coming forward is, is going to be privacy. It's going to be decentralized exchange of information. Uh, and I think of those as the two pillars on a Masonic tracing board, uh, which is symbolized by many other, uh, it's like many other nested meanings to that. But public and private is uh, paramount to understanding the way that the realm actually functions. And it goes back to those checks. I, I don't know if it was with you or with Charlie. I just did a, I did a podcast before hours with Charlie Robinson, and oh, cool. and we were talking about how they're they're able to predict what you're able to do. And I think I think you said something about that earlier in the episode as well. And we have this with the AI, right? They're able to when you're when you're suggested something in your in your in your ads, right? When you're scrolling through social media. 
a lot of the times it's because all the time it happens to us when we talk about something that pops up on our phone, right? Oh, they're listening into us. No, they've gotten that good at predicting your behavior that they're able to present it to you before you're even able to think about it. Or when you think about it, boom, it might be, hey, your phone might be listening to you right now. Who knows? Probably 100%. But it's that predictive programming that they're able to, to tap into. Like how you said, this data has become such a hot commodity. And I think today's vampires, the modern day vampires are these people who are thriving off of your data. We have Mark Zuckerberg, right? Where I showed you that picture next to H.P. Lovecraft. We have this conspiracy that H.P. Lovecraft might have been a vampire. Well, they're doing the same thing. They're hungry for your data. Give us more. Give us more. Give us more so we can sell your data to who? We don't know who they're selling it to. Oh, just big corporations. How many times have they not been fined billions of dollars, which is just a drop in the bucket for them because they sold your data? They're hungry for it. And they thrive off of it. And again, it's it's this system that's been created and it's like a vicious cycle. And dude, the Knights Templar, they help create. I've been called out on this before where they, oh, they didn't create the banking system. They sure as hell contributed to the modern day banking system. Oh, yeah. Through oh, yeah. occultic means and through alchemical mm-hmm. means because the whole the, how the story goes is that when you appease these entities on the other side they teach you secrets okay but it's mm-hmm. how much are you willing to give up what are you willing to do for me in order for me to give you this this secret well here mm-hmm. if you do a squared plus b squared plus c squared er, uh, you know a squared plus b squared equals c squared well, that other entity on the other side is giving you a squared, the value for a and the value for B and you get C squared. You know what I mean? So that's alchemy right there. You know, one plus one is two. So you, you take this and you take this other stuff and you're going to get a bunch of money. But right. in order for you to keep that knowledge, I need something in return. Now use your imagination. What is yeah. that return? That energy data, give it to them. And again, we know what the Knights Templar work is doing. You have the hor- the two Templars on one horse. Mm-hmm. Come on, bro. You couldn't get your own horse? <laughs> you couldn't buy your own horse, bro? You got you to gotta ride bitch now? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> totally. And they're even, it's even behind the shield. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever's going on, they're doing it behind the shield. It's like, oh, look, he's, he's grabbing his sword shaft and the, the sword handle in the front. That's no, not a sword handle, bro. That's something else, dog. You know what I mean? Surely you joust. Yeah, exactly. It's like, wow, dude, he's, you're you're a gifted young man. You know, can you imagine? Like, come on, bro. You know, they said they had to share horses because they didn't have any money. They were one of the richest organizations of all time. Right. But right. they paint him as what, Gabe? They paint him as these public servants. Who are public servants today? Hmm. Let me think. Politicians, presidents, any politician and any power. But guess what, Gabe? They're in higher status monetarily than you. Why is that? Yeah. Are they the Knights Templar nowadays, Gabe? For sure, man. Yep. It is a full-on inversion. It's a real trip to even to even ponder. Yeah. Yeah, the Knights Templar are uh in full effect. And and it's almost in you know, they have so much to spare that they can uh that they can do these uh philanthropic endeavors to lay a smoke screen so that the, uh, you know, the mundane eye. As you said that, say, my vape oh. smoke went up though. You're like smoke <laughs> nice, screen. It was nice. like, 
at the same time. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the mundane eye, you know, they, they only see those uh, public services of, you know, good deeds that they do, but that's just a measure of how much they have to spare to throw away on the smoke screen of that public side and what they're actually doing on the, in the private is the kind of shit that'll get Bill Gates kicked out of India for the rest of his life, you know, uh, un, under the guise of philanthropy. philanthropy. It, uh, it was, I think that, that me, I don't know if you've seen it floating around where it's like, I'm more concerned about Bill Gates buying up all the land versus Elon Musk buying up Twitter. Oh, nice. Because yeah. Bill Gates is one of the largest landowners in the United States. He's buying up all these farmlands and all this stuff. What for? Yeah. You step down from Microsoft to do philanthropy, whatever it is that you're, that you're trying to do. Uh, you know, it, it, there's a reason why he stepped up so he can dedicate his energy and time to something else. What is it that he's planning? Who knows? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of that land he's buying is very close to the four corners. If not the Babylon workings, it's, it's somewhere over there. Uh, I'd like to see that on a map because that would be kind of telling, I think. Yeah, I think that would be kind of, yeah, that would be because it's a lot of farmland. You're looking at, you know, the the, yeah. the plains over on the West Coast and all this stuff. Yeah. But people have to understand where we're talking about these things, about a lot of esoteric and occult stuff. But the elites, right, the lizards, they know about this sort of thing. They know about the parallels. They know that the earth offers certain energies in certain areas. So they, I was talking about this last night on lighting the void where Joe was going on about how, how could, how could these occultists of back then do the things that they were doing? How could they, you know, do all the crazy things that they were doing? You had Crowley, you know, he's at the forefront of occultism. Like he's going to always be the Mac daddy of occultists, regardless of what all the, the obscure and, and, and dirty things that he's done. But I go, you got to understand that the whole thing with alchemy is number one, they were never going to get close to the actual truth because they weren't purified themselves. Now that's subjective because purification could be, you know, I've, I've also heard the theory that you can be so evil that you purify yourself through those means that you become divine through being evil. Okay. So mm -hmm. it can go both ways, right? As above, so below. And you know, we, we know the hermetic principle, but these guys, what they were doing is they were exploiting a system that worked. So, you have your system, Gabe, where you're able to see these things and decode certain things, but you're taking the time to put in, and you're doing things by the book. These guys were trying to skip corners and, and cut corners and, and exploit the system that they had that worked to a certain extent. And they wanted to up the ante. They wanted to do more, 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 more. And they were exploiting that system that they had set forth, even creating their own offset systems, like coming up with another system. Like, Hey, how can I cut this corner? I want to do it as fast as I can. So let me make my own system up that I can work a certain way. And mm -hmm. these, these elites, they know about this. I mean, the founding fathers were occultists. I mean, no, I don't care what anyone says. And this is a beautiful country, Gabe. I mean, I'm super grateful to, to be here. We have a lot of things that a lot, a lot of different countries don't have that yeah. we take for granted. It's just the people piling piling the ship. They're not the best lizards, okay? They're they're the bad yeah. lizards. <laughs> yes, I, li I like to make a very important distinction uh, between our country and our government. I love the country 
and the things that it was intended to do, but the government is where, uh, full stop, I object <laughs> to the utmost. That's an uh, important distinction. And even when we're talking about other countries, that's another thing, you know, uh, uh, I got a 12 year old and, you know, she's very sensitive to uh, broad brushing opinion statements about other countries. Uh, and she's, she's very politically correct. She knows way more than she should. But I had to make that distinction with her. I had to, you know, say that when I talk smack on China, I'm not talking about Chinese people. I am talking about the government that is in control of the Chinese people. I love me some Chinese people. Your dad's a Kung Fu mofo. I love Chinese culture, Chinese medicine, Chinese food, uh, all of that. But it's the government. Uh, so when so that's just a very important distinction to make sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, it is because you have to be able to separate the two. And I agree with that. I, I never actually heard it put that way. And I like the way that you put that. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's I always tell people that these politicians that they're they're deified, right? They are worship. We're back in, in Egyptian times, Gabe, where we're worshiping our politicians. The pharaohs were kings on Earth. You know, uh, there were gods on Earth. The same thing it is now. It's like the 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 la the land that they walk on is sacred. You know what I mean? You have the White House, right? The White House. No one can go there. It's a forbidden temple. You can't go in there unless you're you're part of the club. You know, you gotta get, you gotta show your your credentials to get in there. Whatever it is. But these guys in power, they understand that there is something more than meets the eye, like Transformers, and they're exploiting the system. And I think, you know, this whole, you know, talking about the Knights Templar and, and money, I think money is the biggest simulacra that there is. I mean, if we all came together as a collective, as a true people and came together, like back then they bartered, you know what I mean? I have this thing, you know, but nowadays it's like, give me your pieces of paper for whatever I can do so mm -hmm. I can buy a paper mache house because these houses are all just paper mache's. You pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for homes nowadays that are built mm -hmm. out of plywood and, you, and what separates you from the outside this much this much wood you know what i mean uh -huh. an insulation yeah but we've come to adopt these ideas gabe and that's the most that's where 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 really the most power comes in when they're able to inject themselves into your mind and able to take over like a parasite mm -hmm. that's that's where the real struggle comes in because how do you begin to break free from the paradigms that you've been that you've grown up all your life with? You know what I mean? When you really start to break down the system and, and that's the hardest part about all this, doing all this research on these obscure topics, because you start to notice that everything that you've been told your entire life is bullshit. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I mean, a lot of systems are bullshit, Gabe. I mean, that's really what it comes. A lot of religions, a lot of ancient scripture. It's all bullshit, Gabe. I mean, it's guys high on peyote. And God knows what doing Mandrake and doing all these things back then, lighting uh -huh. up stocks of weed in the church, oh, just blasted out of their minds. Like I just had a vision. He just had a vision. Write it down. Write it down. God damn it. Write it down. And and then here he is making the first computational device to what to be able to convince somebody else of your delusion within your brain that one day that you were just sleep deprived and you were trying you, <laughs> god talked to you that one day come on man i've never you know i've been to church right. for a very long time i went to church for a long time 
very long time. Played guitar for over five years at my church. I went to juvenile centers to perform for the juveniles. Dude, I did it all. You know, I, there was a time where I was traveling around Central Florida playing for money, you know, guitar for money at different churches. I've seen it all. A Pentecostal, Baptist, all this stuff. You know what I mean? Catholic, everything, bro. I've seen it all. Yeah. And never once did I ever, dude, feel like these people, like the, this presence, you know, the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Holy Spirit. She's dancing around and doing all this crazy show. It's the Holy Spirit. Is it really, though? <laughs> like, you know, when they would pray for you, the, the pastor would push back on my head, like trying to knock me back. You know, because the Pentecostals, they faint when they're, when they're, when they're being prayed over. And I always remember, bro, I would be standing there and the guy would be trying to fucking push me back. And I'm like pushing forward. Like, what are you doing, bro? Like, is it, do they, you know what I mean? (laughs) They're hoping the power power of suggestion will compel you. Yeah. He was pushing on my head, bro. I remember just fucking standing like, damn, this guy needs to fucking stop pushing me back. Cause that's all it is. Cause when you get into a crowd and what I mentioned earlier no part of like an actual idea, right? If, if you have facts, quote unquote, some way or another, there's always some metaphysical aspect to it. All. And the reason I say this is because in Gustave Le Bon, the crowd, which is he was a he's the father of social uh, uh, of crowd psychology. He was a social psychologist and he wrote this book in 1895 about the, the psychology of crowds. And when you have a group of people, a congregation of people, it becomes its own living organism, right? A nation can be a crowd, uh, you know, a congregation at a church can be a crowd, a group of people, when they come together for uh, through one idea, or we know religion is, you know, so-and-so is the true God, that's their idea. There is something presented through by a leader, it's called the suggestion by a leader. So you have the pastor, you have the hierarchy, right? They're standing up above you. Okay, they're standing up on their little podium, on the little altar. They're up above you. You're sitting down. You're in a submissive position. And they're giving you ideas. That's the suggestion. Now, when they give you this idea through, because of their prestige, this supernatural charisma, right? You have all these evangelists and pastors. They're very charismatic. They know how to talk to people. Now, through the power of suggestion and through their prestige, because you see the pastor, oh, he's, he's very holy, a very holy man, mm-hmm. you know? This per this doctor, very prestigious, right? He's got all these decorated titles, right? We use the language because again, we're talking about twilight language and double meanings. We use language to mm-hmm. invoke certain emotions within the person, right? It takes yeah. over their mind. Now, through suggestions, when that suggestion is presented to the group, it is spread through something known as a contagion. Now, what is a contagion? A supernatural yeah. aspect. An idea just slithers through everyone and just takes over. It's like the Holy Spirit just going around and just tapping whoever it can get a hold of. And boom, you have a revolution. You have a movement. You have whatever it is. You have a a, a ceremony. You have uh, the service, the sermon, whatever. Because through the suggestions of this prestigious individual injecting it, you see that with the president. You see that with political figures. You see that within religious organizations. You see mm-hmm. that even in households. How many times have people been put hostage through their own family? Because they have that one f- abusive family member, the m- one abusive yeah. family. You know, Stockholm mm-hmm. Syndrome is a real thing, bro. And I yeah, think man. we're all experiencing some sort of Stockholm Syndrome within society, whether mm-hmm. we like to admit it or not. Yeah. You know, one, uh, one aspect of that that is probably in that book is the uh, the color of white 
is very has very powerful hypnotic and suggestive uh, power. And the reason for that is that if, and this is why a hypnotist will uh, refrain from blinking. They will lock in to your eyes and they'll give you that beamy stare, you know, like Rasputin used to do. And uh, I think Barbara Bush used to do this. And all these, these people who have studied hypnotism, they will lock eyes and they will give you this wide-eyed beamy uh, stare and what that does is that uh, it conveys trustworthiness. And the fact that they're not looking around or hesitating, uh, it has that uh, suggestion that this is something you can trust or believe and agree with. That keeps you open. You're open to suggestion because you will mirror their behavior. And so this uh, this uh, is easily transposed onto the white color of the uh, the priest's garb, priestly garb, but also the lab coat of the scientist, mm. the lab coat that the doctor wears. All of these aspects of cleanliness, uh, they all convey uh, transparency and trustworthiness in a very major way. And it also relates to the... Uh, the white gloves of the Masonic Lodge, which I think we've talked about a little before, that uh, hails back to the clean hands doctrine of equity, um, but it has to do with karmic absolution and being uh, pure of intention. Uh, and it's just amazing how, uh, with the right context of suggestibility, you just take one color concept and you see how it has consistency throughout its many forms of application. Even smiling, a person who is smiling is showing you the white, their white teeth, you know, smiling and laughing. And that all conveys uh, trustworthiness psychologically on so many people. Uh, not necessarily skin color. That might be an exception. <laughs> that might be an exception to the, to the genetic imprinting of the color white. <laughs> uh, but the palms of your hands. That is, that is a true aspect of it. To see somebody's, the palm of their hands, you can see that they have no... I uh, surrender. Hidden, yeah, I surrender. A little flag. Look at my, little yep, you're flag. flashing the white, the white flag. All aspects of uh, suggestibility. You're talk, we're talking about color. You said a really fascinating thing about the terracotta soldiers, right? Because it was, I think it was a shade of purple. And oh. I've seen the terracotta, some of the terracotta soldiers in in real life at the uh, a museum awesome. in Chicago one time, and they wow. had some there. If they were the real ones or not, I don't know, but allegedly these were original terracotta soldiers, and it was very psychedelic to see that because I di I do know about that shade. I think it was Han purple or Han blue, and how they're not able to replicate this color. Right, we, we have Disney coming up with different colors to block out certain. Uh, it's called go away green, a, a, a color that they genetically, mo not genetically, that they alchemically, right, alchemically modified because that al that's alchemy too, to mm -hmm. block out certain things. So maintenance buildings, things, uh, you know, light posts, certain doorways that they don't want people to see, and it's a color where when you look at it. You just kind of gloss over because it kind of it's called go away green. It's a color engineered alchemic. I'm going to say alchemically by Disney yeah. in order to block out certain buildings, trash cans, poles, light poles, et cetera, et cetera, at Disney. Now, we know Disney, they're full of lizards, 
But you said this one thing about the terracotta soldiers and the, the Hans purple or blue that really struck me. And I'm like, man, that is some good, good shit. Can you know exactly what I'm talking about? I believe so. The fact that they are all anatomically unique. Oh, they are? Yes. They, they've been uh, taking uh, samples of particularly their ears. They took photographs of, and there are so many more than we know of. There are un, there are some that they haven't uncovered yet, but they've taken images of their ears and put them into a huge database and run the statistical likelihood of how few anomalies there are in their anatomical features. And it is indicating very powerfully that these are organic beings, that these are not these are not artistic renderings. In uh, that seems to imply that either some form of like incredibly advanced uh, technology that can uh, print or replicate the features of the human being, because uh, any like uh, army of artists would still break the statistical likelihood of repeating their patterns artistically. But these appear to have uh, anatomical accuracy down to, uh, to the point that people are starting to think that these were humans. And people are starting to believe that they were either humans or some form of technology we can't even begin to appreciate. Um, but uh, the Hans Blue... They've taken samples of it, which is very a very delicate process because it dissolves in uh, when it's exposed to oxygen very quickly. So they collect it with a very meticulous process, and they've taken it into the laboratory, and they dropped it down to almost uh, zero degrees Kelvin, which is absolute zero, where all the molecules are uh, in perfect stasis. And then they apply a very powerful magnetic field to the paint, and it drops out of the third dimension what the fuck? and reduces to the second dimension, to two-dimensional. And that is a mindfuck to even try to ponder what that means. And what I see is a possible weaponization and a possible application being uh that they could, you could use it for, like you were saying with the, uh, with the go away green, it could be used as a form of camouflage, theoretically. Uh, it could be used, uh, this is kind of a fun theory I have. I think that the color blue was so rare in that time frame that they could, uh, while wearing that color, they could uh, invade a village or a community and go unobserved because they're wearing a color that the community doesn't even have the genetic ability to uh, to perceive that shade of blue. And therefore, it becomes a camouflage, much like the predator. You know, the predator suit with the, with the wavy, squiggly uh, camouflage system, that could just be a color that the human... Uh, color spectrum does not register. And we see it as wiggly, squiggly lines. 
So Han's purple. It's Han's purple. That's what it is. Yeah, I've heard it both. But so theoretically, that color was so rare and so unexperienced in the human genetic history that they could cover themselves in it as an invading force, and it would have a bemusing or confusing effect on them psychologically that they wouldn't even know what they were seeing. Uh, and the, uh, so it, it, to some degree, it could be an invisibility cloak in that context. Wow. And I've even thought, what if they're attacking during a certain time of day? What if they strategize their approach to the village from a certain direction in relationship to the sun, such that the angle of the sun hits their armor and causes this psychological uh, jarring effect to stun their uh, whatever, their opponents. Here says here, Han, Han Purple, a 2,800-year-old artificial pigment that quantum physicists are trying to understand. So yes. quantum physicists don't even understand it till this day, okay? Yeah, man. The theory that you're talking about, right, how it's able to transcend dimensions, literally. I mean, it's a backwards engineering of what these guys were trying to do, right? We have, we talked about Raymond Lully, how he was trying to interpret the visible and invisible world, right? Through these sigils and all these words, right? Using different uh, sort of magic. I mean, that's what it really is. The way I took this was, what if this was a way for them to sort of encrypt, right? Because they're all anatomically cor correct, right? And they're unique in every single way. What if they use this paint to genetically attach their souls, maybe, to these soldiers? Yeah. Because the whole thing was in order to... And we know that they're hollow, right? So what if, like the Full Metal Alchemist anime, he did this little sigil on the back of the, the armor... And his soul was in that piece of armor. What if right. this has something to do with that to where they were able to imprison the soul in order for what? For these soldiers to guard the emperor and the afterlife. Through soul. a use of soul. Soul. Yeah, dude. Soldiers. Great. Yep. Great point, that. bro. Yes. Uh, and so what's a couple more uh, facts that are pretty important. One is that uh, artists learn that uh, blue is the newest of colors. Um, it, uh, like in the, I believe it's the Iliad or the Odyssey, uh, there is a very clear lack of the, the concept of blue. They describe the oceans as uh, wine red oceans. They just do not use the word blue. Uh, so theoretically, blue is the newest color on the color spectrum. Uh, that's pretty fascinating. And another aspect to the terracotta temple where those warriors are found is that they are surrounded by a river of mercury. What? A river of mercury, which mercury is incredibly, well, was, is incredibly rare. Who knows back then? Maybe that's why it's rare today is <laughs> they put it all in that one location. Uh, but uh, there's a, perim a perimeter around that temple of uh, River of Mercury, which reminds me of the River Styx in a very major way, uh, having to do with crossing over. Also, uh, uh, there is some very interesting vortex 
dynamics uh, when you run an electrical current through mercury. Uh, so yeah, what the possibilities of what we're seeing there is absolutely fascinating. You know, uh, I can't, it is, it's, 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 uh, sky's the limit on, you know, if the highest, uh, most advanced scientists can't even explain the paint, uh, maybe it's because they're not being imaginative enough, you know, maybe it's in the spiritual realm exactly. where they have no, the no observer devices. and through the observer effect, right? Cause they're quantum physicists through the observer effect. They're observing this color and is evading them because it transcends dimensions. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's so remarkable. And, uh, I have heard that there is a large amount, like a, uh, a larger percentage of the terracotta warriors are still covered than what, than there is like, they say 10% is what we're looking at. And there's 90% still to be discovered in there. Oh, that's a lot yeah. of soldiers, bro. Yeah. It's fascinating. It and is I would, really fascinating. I wouldn't put it past them. If that, if that emperor was like, you know what, if I'm dying, all of you are dying with me and you're right. going to create your own terracotta soldier or whoever it right. is. And we're going to do a sigil of blood inside of it to be able, you know what I yes. mean? Like some crazy occult, obscure thing that they believed back then to, so he could be guarded yeah. in the afterlife. And consider the fact that they're all, what uh, in the military, they have like a, a demographic that they'll target. They'll go into a village and they'll say, any able-bodied man who is able to fight, that's your target. Don't kill the women and children. Same thing with recruiting uh, for your army. Well, let's think about the possibility. What if those are all firstborns? What if they're, because they're all of the same age group. And so that might be, uh, go back to some, you know, Judeo-based, which is uh, where Hebrew and Hindu culture uh, brush elbows very tightly. Uh, those might be uh, firstborns, the eldest child um, as a sacrifice. And then just one more quick point on this, because this is kind of what I think I was, I forget exactly what I said uh, in the, uh, that was the placenta apocalypse yeah. uh, that we did with Chance over on the Interverse and uh, Cheney. We went in on about the placenta. And this is very important uh, to the whole, to, to this whole line of reasoning. The second dimension is, the, is a flat plane and is very difficult to even imagine what the second dimension really means. But essentially, it is the dominion of paperwork is the closest we can get. You look at this piece of paper and you're like, okay, that's two-dimensional. It's flat. It only has an X and a Y axis. Uh, and the second dimension is, um, uh, I believe is very occultly uh, encapsulated in the concept of correspondence. When you write somebody a letter on a piece of paper, they call it a correspondence. And so this, that's the second hermetic principle, but I believe it is also the two-dimensional realm that gets overlooked considerably. And so in our little circles, we specialize in correspondences and things that are related to each other uh, in a very 
a very thin thread in a thin web of connective uh, reasoning. Uh, but other people, they overlook that second dimension, the second hermetic principle. They are stuck in the third dimension, the material realm. Mm-hmm. Very profound. There's a lot more to those words I just put together <laughs> than uh, we could spend all day rapping about. And as we near the end here, and uh, I want to give, you know, r- wrap this up here. <sighs> I think that's why it's so important. Like Manly P. Hall, you're talking about writing letters, right? You're writing letters, your sigils, and you're spelling, casting spells, right? We're interchanging, right? Social Twitter is all about a certain amount of characters that you need to put in your tweet. You know, they limit your the amount of language that you can put in letters in there. And Manly P. Hall looked at books as like these, almost like. What do they call a, a servient when you, when you create like a, a helper, a servitor, a, a, a servitor. He looked at them like, like his friends, you know, that they, that they were always there no matter what, they never changed their information that was there. And I think that's why books are so important because we are literally transcribing, uh, you know, th- there's an alchemical process that happens through knowledge, right? Uh, right now, this, this podcast, it's, it's a, it's a form of art. And the alchemist, right, the actual Philosopher's Stone, which is ourselves, you know, we are the Philosopher's Stone. We are the only true beings who are able, other than God, who are able to change something from one form to another. And the reason I say that is because we're able to take information, we're able to take food, right? When we eat food, we're able to break it down through digestion and take an apple and extract the vitamins from that. Now, that's true alchemy. When you take one form of something and break it down to another scientists and pharmacists and all these doctors of today they're only modifying things right if you have a certain dis-ease within your body they're just prescribing you a certain chemical in order to correct that imbalance within you they're not creating something new they're not curing your disease they're only suppressing it or making it go away for a certain that's why people in remission you still got cancer but it's in remission, you know, it's, it's, it's shrinking, but it's still there. No matter what we try and do, it's probably going to, we're going to try and cut it out, but you got to come in every six months to get checked out because you might still have it. So alchemically, they're not able to change. What was it lead to gold or copper to gold, right? And and they're only able to substitute or alter. Now, as a human being, as the philosopher's stone, you're able to intake information that's otherwise, metaphysical in a sense it's in the aether it's in the ether you take that and what we do with it we output a different a completely different thing we output art you know literature you know we're changing we're transforming those ideas into other things you know you can paint a, a picture you can talk on a podcast you can do whatever it is through that intake of it's not just what food you eat it's also what you're listening to what you're looking at you know who you're talking to who you're hanging out with because you know dude if you hang out with enough people their auras start rubbing off on each other and you start becoming who you hang out with you know they say that people if they hang out long enough they start to look like each other i mean that's kundalini bringing forth a biological change within yourself through you know other forms of meditation or whatever it is that you want to call it the feathered serpent and to add on to the subject of the blue i have here the all-seeing eye, the very first issue of Manly P. Hall. And, dude, I, I love these these journals because they're, they're just full of so much information. And this is the, the volume one, number one in 1923. And there was something that really stood out to me. The Blue Krishna. 
right? Because we're talking about, you mentioned the, the color blue. In picturing the Christ child of India, Sri Krishna, the blue lotus, we find that he is always painted as having a blue skin. Now, let us consider briefly the reason for this rather unusual symbolism. Why the Lord of love playing upon his flute with Radha in the woods is always colored with a bluish light has caused considerable speculation among students of occult philosophy. And this is where it gets good. The reason for this is said to be that blue is the symbol of the father, the highest of the three primary colors. All great spiritual workers are said to be under the protection of the father or as the East would say, enfolded in the cap of Brahma. This blue spiritual wall, which divides the great ones from men, is symbolized by the Oriental by coloring the body of Krishna, the incarnation of Vishnu, the second principle of the Indian Trinity, as a pale blue color. So, again, and he, he goes on, but the color blue. And I was on with Thomas when he was, when he was, when I was reading this, and he, since he's a graphic, he does graphic design and all this stuff, and he's an artist, and he does comic books and stuff. He said that the original, that there are certain colors that you said that they project light instead of take light in and reflect it back. They actually illuminate light outwards. And I go and he told me that the original colors were like off white, yellow and like blue or something like that. Some other color like the like the actual colors that were supposed to be to like really captivate you. And I go, but wait, why did they put red, green and blue? on our or what, what what are the colors of the tv is it red green i think that's it red green and red, blue green, right blue. they yep. put certain colors on our tvs that we've grown up with this in our entire lifetimes again and he was telling i have to get it from him again it was on one of the occult book clubs where he really breaks mm -hmm. it down but he blew my mind because i'm like dude they intentionally suppress our abilities through this technology that they put forth because RGB has always been like the main thing, but he was telling me it was some other colors, the one that are actually the ones that are supposed to like output whatever it was. And I go, well, there's a reason why they put these colors in our TVs and we see it everywhere. I mean, if you look hard enough, it's all a bunch of red, blue, green, red, blue. Maybe that's how it works, but I don't know. I take it. I take that as another thing, bro. I always, whenever I see something, I look at the opposite. Cause I mean, these people are, mm -hmm. are up there doing some shady shit and they're just trying to control everything. So Maybe it's the confirmation of bias in me, but I don't think so. Dude. I think it's done by design. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, uh, there's definitely that aspect of true blue, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, every, you know, it's kind of part of a very old way of seeing it. But I guess that relates to the to the sky, you know, on a clear day. Uh, and this that kind of hails back to the, the, the whole thing about uh, white, meaning mm -hmm. purity of intention and transparency. You, know, you could probably make the same case for blue, uh, for the, for the sheer fact that the sky, the open heavens, uh, are uh, founded in that in that color. That's interesting. And remember, and we, they use cymatics, right? And they use sound. And also on another episode we did, we talked about how people in cathedrals. Right. They have the stained glass, how they would hear sounds differently within the cathedrals and see di light differently within those cathedrals. So we know that color has an effect psychologically as well. And as I was saying about the white. Yeah. 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 And the uh, the, uh, uh, you know, Homie Romy has a lot on this, but the acoustics and the effects of the acoustics 
And then you combine that with the musical application. And I would even say certain languages, like, you know, they changed the, uh, the Catholic mass, uh, I forget what year, but, you know, it's no longer in the original language. And I do believe, uh, you, you and I have talked, touched on this a little bit in the past, but, you know, I believe that the old root languages and old Latin, uh, it has a, an effect on us that we do, we've lost appreciation for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is still in our words, but when you, uh, when you take those root tongues and you put them to music in a, in a controlled environment, uh, it reminds you of the glory of the American experiment. <laughs> yeah, I was, I played guitar today for the first time in a little while. And nice. it was just, you know, I was like, man, it's beautiful. You know what I mean? You just flow with the music and just, you know, put to make chords and do all this stuff. And it just really brought me back. I'm like, man, you know, brought forth this appreciation for the arts and music, you know, and actually composing something. And I just, you know, I just relate that to how you said all this has a psychological effect. It goes back to Pythagoras, Gabe, where Pythagoras said, we need to be the, the, I think the lutes or something in order to attune to the music of the spheres. Now, what is the music of the spheres? He said, if you are able to quiet your mind to a certain level, you are able to hear the music of the spheres. But then he also said that only he could hear the music of the spheres. So maybe Pythagoras, (laughs) (laughs) maybe Pythagoras was full of shit, but I'll leave you guys with that, with that there. Gabe, this was fascinating, man. We covered a lot of ground on this one. We talked about a lot of things. I mean, Shit, we went all over the place. We got territories, nested meanings, Raymond Lully, which I encourage you to check that out because that's really fascinating. The esoteric, exoteric, hermetic principles, sacred knowledge. We got the Knights Templar in there, secret societies, all that good shit. And could you let people know where they can find your work once again? And I'll post that in the description, Gabe, because you are fascinating. I love your work and uh, keep up the good work, bro. Thanks, my man. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, Slick Dissident is my channel name on YouTube. I am Gabriel. Uh, And you can also catch me on uh, the Saturday Weavenings. Uh, I am over on the Weaving Spiders Welcome channel, uh, going all night long. Like I always say, take a nap, pack your lunch. We got the five, six-hour long open forum conversation going on there. Uh, And then I'm also on the Interverse channel with chance garden pretty regularly uh particularly uh wednesdays he's got the vibrant over on his channel but check us out on rockfin and youtube there uh and that's my jam that's where you'll find me awesome gabe thank you so much man thank you for coming on and have you on again very soon absolutely much love